0: You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. One guy on the Avengers who sometimes gets overlooked. Uh, he's still great, but it's hard to compete with those other guys. So here now to shed light on his own strengths and abilities to the tune of Ed Sheeran's
1: Thinking Out Loud is Hawkeye. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> When you're on a team with the Hulk and Thor <laughs> <laughs> And we're all up there on the movie screen Will people believe that I'm not quite as tough Will anyone even notice me <laughs> Listen, I've got powers too, and. They're pretty sweet. <laughs> I promise I can do so much more than just archery. <laughs> I'm serious, guys. I've got a collection of scarves and berets. I play trombone in the Scappin.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Barman's Podcast Where here in we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you the listener On all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet One animal at a time My name is Paul and I am not an animal expert
2: I'm Donna and I was an animal expert but then I forgot how to be an animal expert oh, no. so I now I no longer am so
0: Ah, uh, you know. we're so close.
2: I was so close and yet that just happens. So, today we're talking about hawks, North American hawks, birds. Yep. Birdies yeah. that prey on other animals. You're going to get a smattering of hawks.
0: <laughs> But first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. I love wildlife cams, like live wildlife cams. I love them so much. Since 2012, a pair of red-tailed hawks called... S.U. Sue and her mate Otto have been nesting on Lyman Hall at Syracuse University. And since then, cameras have been watching those red-tailed hawks. They have high-quality 24-hour live cameras that were installed uh, just a few months ago. Syracuse University alumna Anne-Marie Higgins donated the funds needed for the new cameras in memory of her husband, the late Judge Thomas W. Higgins. Both of them were birders. Mm. Anne Marie herself is one of the lead camera operators, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So, this year, 2019, SU Sue laid three eggs. Two of them hatched, with the first chick being born on May 5th, 2019. On the 44th day after the third egg was laid, it was deemed non viable by consulting wildlife specialists. It's possible that the egg may have not fertilized, or there could have been a genetic problem with the embryo. Uh, eggs don't always make it. Otto does most of the hunting and bringing in small animals to the nest. Su Su also hunts and leaves occasionally, but she always returns quickly, sometimes bringing pieces of trees, twigs, pine branches, and bark to keep the nest clean. The chicks will spend about 45 days in the nest until they take their first flight. So, if you want to get even more views of the little nesting red-tailed hawks, uh, Anne-Marie says she will be donating another camera across from Lyman Hall to capture their comings and goings, so a third view. And once it's installed, then you can look at the webcam online and you can <laughs> choose other views. We are all going to put the links for the Hawk Nest Cam at Syracuse University on in our show notes. And uh, there's one on Facebook, too. So if you are on Facebook, you can also watch that on there. So we'll put the links in the show notes for you.
2: Yes. And look at the babies. They're so fuzzy. They're
0: super, super, super duper cute. <laughs>
2: look at those tiny little fuzzy guys i'm oh. <laughs> gonna die from the cuteness <laughs> oh, cute? well just a reminder everybody go to blazing caribou studios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode we are also on twitter and instagram at at Vormons podcast all one word and at at gmail.com for questions comments stories and suggestions I run a Pinterest board for most of the animals when I'm not slacking or falling behind. And uh, so you can go over to Pinterest and put varmints into the search engine and you will find our board over there. If you want some varmints merchandise, go over to tpublic.com and again put varmints podcast into the search engine over there and you will find t-shirts and mugs and tote bags and all sorts of fun stuff that you can buy with our awesome show logo on it by Imrod Javed. And if you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to our podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the best way to help us grow, so do it. Tell your mom, tell your grandma, tell your kid, tell your friend, tell your other friend, tell your friends' friends' friends. (laughs) Tell their cousins, tell everybody.
0: Total strangers. Do it. Grab their phone out of their hand and, and make them, force them to, no, don't do that.
2: No, 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 don't do that. But, I mean, <laughs> if you're on the bus or something and having a conversation with somebody, like, oh, you like podcasts? I like podcasts. Why don't you listen to the varmints podcast?
0: Hey, thanks, everybody. <laughs> and thank you particularly to the Patreon supporters. Guys, we appreciate your support. You give a few dollars to us every month, and we we make sure that that money goes to Oh, stuff like merch and doing cool things and upgrading our equipment and paying for hosting and all that good stuff. If you want to join our Patreon supporters, we would love it if you do that. Patreon.com slash varmints.
2: Yes. All right, everybody. Let's talk about North American Hawks.
3: Hey! Let's go get
1: educated on some animals. I know you wanna. (laughs)
2: Nice.
0: (laughs) So hawks are a group of medium-sized birds of prey in the order... I practiced this. Let's see if it comes out. Accipitiformes. Hey, I think I nailed it. They've been around for some 60 million years. Birds of prey in general are known for their sharply hooked beaks... Long broad wings, strong legs, and feet with raptorial claws and opposable hind claws. Nice. There are about 200 species of hawks around the world. 17 of them are here in North America, where Donna and I live. So we will spend a little time talking about some interesting adaptations from a few really cool species that we can't do an entire episode on. Yes. For as long as they've been around and written about, the etymology of the word hawk is uncertain, surprisingly. The Old English word that refers to them is also pronounced hawk, and that word means battle axe, which is really cool. And a group of hawks is called a cast.
2: Real quickly, falcons and hawks are generally considered to be similar prey birds, but they actually differ from each other in a lot of ways, and I'll just be really, really fast about that. Falcons belong to the family of the genus Falco. They are known for their speeds uh, when they're fully mature, and they use their beak to attack their prey. This is very generalized, but uh, contrary to the falcon, hawks uh, belong to a huge number of genuses, and they tend to be more clever, and they do a sudden attack on their prey. And a a lot of them actually squeeze their prey to death rather than pecking them. Oh, wow. Yeah, so hawks are in North America, Central America, the West Indies, and Jamaica. Falcons are widely distributed on all continents except Antarctica. Falcons and hawks are similar by many factors, but they are—they hawks have a smoother beak when compared to falcons, and falcons have an angular bend to their beak, which they use to kill their prey. So if you're looking at a bird and going, is it a falcon or is it a hawk? If they've got a, a bend in their beak, they're probably a falcon. Interesting stuff, huh? Yeah. I don't I don't know if that's a hundred percent, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think it's safe to say that we're gonna do an episode on falcons because mm-hmm. there are some really cool falcons and, and we'll have a whole different episode about them.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah. So basically that's a. Uh, where it's a much larger topic than that, and you can get into really fine detail on the difference between those animals, but I was unaware that there were differences that were that distinct between these two types of bird. And now I now I know better. So right, we will be doing a falcon show later, but this one is about hawks, particularly those found in North America. We'll probably later on do some stuff about South American hawks, which they have a few different species that are that are cool as well. So
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: So I'm going to talk today about the Cooper's hawk. You guys have probably seen a Cooper's hawk. Cooper's hawks are pretty much all over the United States, and there may just be regional differences, like in western North America, Cooper's hawks are a little smaller than they are out east. I don't know why that is, but it is true. So they are in length about 14 to 15 inches, or 37 to 37 centimeters. They weigh about 7 to 15 ounces, which is 220 to 410 grams. They have a wingspan of about 24 to 35 inches, which is huge. Wow. 62 to 90 centimeters. Uh, those are the males. The females are a little bit smaller. And they are a steely blue-gray blue- above with warm reddish-, reddish bars on the underparts and thick, dark bands on their tail. So... Juveniles are brown above and crisply streaked with brown on the upper breast, and that gives them a little bit of a hooded look compared with the young sharp-shinned hawks. You can tell the difference between a younger and an older sharp uh, uh, Cooper's hawk by looking at their eyes. If it's a juvenile, it'll have yellow eyes, and the uh, fully mature adults have orange eyes, which is pretty interesting. hmm <laughs> Yeah, so they have a flap-flap glide pattern, which is typical of their of this kind of bird. Even when they're crossing really open areas, they don't flap continuously. They they fly and then then coast. They fly and then glide. And then when they're attacking, they like to fly fast and low to the ground, and then up and over an obstruction to s- surprise their prey. Cooper's hawks will go crashing through trees after their prey they'll sit there and just look and look and look until they spot something and then they'll go crashing crazily through them and i saw a short documentary about them where the bird watching lady said that they they end up having a lot of chest fractures they found that wild that when collecting and looking at cooper's hawks people had found a lot of healed fractures in their chests because of them crashing through these trees all the time so They're the daredevil hawk. (laughs) Yeah, so they're very interesting, and that's uh, that's pretty cool. Go ahead and get yourself a picture of a Cooper's hawk and go out and look, and you'll be able to see that they are in your neighborhood.
0: Yeah, they're beautiful, too.
2: Yeah, they are just gorgeous.
0: Beautiful bird. Mm -hmm. Another really super common hawk is the red-tailed hawk. They have to be the most common hawk in North America. They are absolutely everywhere. Their range is from Central America up to Northern Canada and Alaska. Mm -hmm. They weigh between two and four pounds and have a wingspan of 56 inches or nearly five feet.
2: Holy cannoli, that is huge.
0: They are a lot bigger than they look like when you see a picture of them. They're they're, they're a big bird.
2: (laughs) They are enormous.
0: Yeah, beautiful bird. They have like brown cinnamon sort of markings on them and they have telltale red tail feathers Wow! so gorgeous bird we have them all over the place here in florida like other hawks they prefer rodents and small mammals but in areas where there aren't many of those they have some interesting additions to their diet like rattlesnakes snake yep snakes uh rattlesnake parts are frequently found in hawks nests red-tailed hawks nests wow Red-tailed hawks are not immune from rattlesnake venom, so when a red-tailed hawk encounters a rattlesnake, it uses its wings as a shield. Because wings have no blood vessels in them, they're just feathers.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, the the rattlesnake can just strike at them all day and and not hurt the hawk at all. Huh. While it's doing that, the hawk waits for the opportunity to grab the snake's head with its beak and its talons, and then it's just game over for the snake. <laughs> Other foods in the hawk's food box are anything that is made out of meat. So fish, lizards, other birds, their eggs. If a red-tailed hawk is large enough, and they do get large, they will take small pets, raccoons, and at times even small baby animals like lambs.
2: Wow. Well, they're big enough.
0: They are big enough, yeah. One thing that red-tailed hawks really like to eat are bats. Hmm.
2: That's so if you
0: see if you see a swarm of bats coming out of a cave in the in the evening, chances are you'll see at least one red red-tailed hawk flying around. Um, they they grab those things really really easily. It's like it's like the peel and eat shrimp tray at a Chinese buffet. <laughs> yeah. They 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 will grab up bats like like crazy. Another little fun fact about the red-tailed hawk, and if you listen to our eagle episode, you you know you know this already. A red-tailed hawk's cry is usually used in TV and movies as an eagle's cry. Yep. Because eagles sound wimpy by yeah, themselves. they, so. they
2: sound kind of kind of nerdy and dorky by themselves, for yep. sure. Yep.
0: We have a red-tailed hawk, or I don't know if it's the same red-tailed hawk, but we do have them, uh, and we see them quite often in the trees and on the power lines outside my house.
2: Nice. Yeah, we see them here quite a bit. They're all yep. over the place.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I'm going to talk about... The Harris hawk. Harris hawks are really, really interesting. They can be found in semi-open habitats in the southwestern United States and in northwestern Mexico, from the Baja in California to southern Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, extending through Central and South America to Chile and into Patagonia. So they are they're in both continents, North and South America. They are found in upland desert which is dominated by saguaro cactuses and mesquite bushes, palo verde, and ironwood woodlands in the Colorado River Valley. There's a population of hawks being reintroduced to the Colorado River that prefer to nest near the water, and all sorts of stuff going on with them. They are large hawks with long tails and broad wings and they range from eighteen to twenty three inches or forty six to seventy six centimeters and they have wingspans of forty to forty seven inches, hundred to one hundred and twenty centimeters. So not quite as large as the red tailed hawk, but getting on still pretty big enough. Big enough to uh you don't want to mess with it for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, definitely.
2: Their adult plumage is uniformly gorgeous. It's chocolate brown with distinct reddish shoulders, upper and underwing coverts, and leg feathers. Gosh, they're just beautiful. The tail is dark with white upper and undertail coverts and the white base and terminal band. Juveniles are similar to the adults, but they're less distinctly colored, and they have a white belly with chocolate brown streaking. Pretty neat. Their tarsal feathers are pale with reddish barring, and there is barring on their tail and wings. So most often the social groups of Harris hawks contain a single monogamous breeding pair and however they are known to practice simultaneous polyandry where that's where one male mates with one female and shares in the responsibilities of raising offspring but polyandry is commonly found in the areas where habitat quality is rich as opposed to arid habitats where the chances of reproductive success are less, even when there are three adults hunting. So it's common in Arizona where the sex ratio is weighted toward males in comparison to Texas where sex ratio is not as skewed. They build their nests in saguaro cactuses, which is crazy. (laughs) Not just saguaros, but others. Palo Verdes, mesquite trees, things like that. Can you imagine these little babies trying to learn how to fly with the soror cactuses all around them. It's crazy because they're <laughs> super spiky. <laughs> and if they run into them or have a bad crash, that that's you're done for. You know? Oh, yeah. That's it. So that's pretty darn dangerous. They have nests. They lay between two and four eggs at a time. The But this is interesting. The females have the ability to breed all year long, and they can lay two or three clutches within a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. They incubate for about 35 days, and the males often share the duties with the females during this period. Fledging occurs after another 40 days, and the little birds tend to stay in the nest for another two or three months um, or so before they start trying to get out. Now, the really interesting thing about these birds is that they typically have at least three birds taking care of the babies, which isn't totally unusual, but I'll tell you what is very unusual is that they are pack hunters. They, they will hunt in groups of three or more, usually not more than four or five, but there is no other hawk in the, well, there's one other hawk in the world that does group hunting. I read, but they didn't actually say which one it was and I wasn't able to discover which one it was. So, But it's a very unusual behavior, pack hunting, and they're ground hunters. So they run along the ground to, together in a group, and they jump up on the cactuses and jump down and stuff like that. So they have that jumping up and over activity of, of ordinary hawks, but they run across the ground a lot of the time. And, and, and in they, groups. And in groups, exactly.
0: That's amazing.
2: Yes. So that increases their success rate and enables them to take larger prey, such as cottontails and jackrabbits. They usually consist of a, a hunting group consists usually of a breeding pair and other helpers with the female dominating. They are fast flyers and once they've spotted their prey, they land and they take turns trying to scare it and flush it out until it darts beneath or from out, out from beneath wherever it's hiding. And then another member of the group captures the animal and they shield the prey with their wings. They, they, they pull their wings out to hide it from other birds and it's called mantling. And it's been suggested that this sort of hunting is encouraged by dense brush and the thorny habitat that they live in. Um, And there's also some evidence they might feed on carrion if food availability is really low. They are fed on by great horned owls. That's the only, only other animal that really poses a threat to them. But coyotes and common ravens will also eat the younger ones. So they gotta be careful about that. Female Harris hawks use helpers to help protect their nests and so they perch on the saguaros and they like scan the perimeter for for owls and coyotes and birds and stuff and and ravens and stuff so they are pretty cool they are important predators in their ecosystem and they control populations of small mammal species wow yeah they are super super cool and really really neat the only thing that's bad about them from a human's point of view is that they like to congregate on electrical transformers
0: (laughs) oh yeah
2: it's not a really good thing so no not just that the bird is electrocuted that's not good but they it's a big cost to electric companies who keep having to re-insulate oh dear and a lot of them build arms for perching to reduce the mortality rates of the hawks, <laughs> which is really <laughs> wonderful, but it also keeps them from having to re-insulate all the time. So. Sure. Yeah. Really, really cool. So. Very cool. Harris hawks. Really neat looking. Pack hunter.
0: That's amazing. I know. All right. One more hawk. And this is a really, really cool hawk. Again, a really unique one. And it is the osprey. Ooh. The first amazing thing about an osprey is that it is the only species in its family, and it lives in every continent except Antarctica and Australia.
2: Wow.
0: So an osprey that you might see in California is the same osprey that you'll find in Europe and Asia and everywhere else. That is so rare and so unique and unusual. There are three or four sort of subspecies, kind of, but... A lot of them aren't really recognized because the differences are so slight that it's just an osprey. An osprey is an osprey to wherever you go.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: Any and all sizes and species of fish make up 99% of an osprey's diet.
2: That's cool.
0: Yeah, and they have developed some very, very unique adaptations for that. Like other hawks, the osprey has four long toes. But here's where the osprey's toes differ. The underside of the toes are lined with short, stiff spikes called spicules, and that gives them extra grip, and the outer toe can swivel to the rear, giving it two grasping talons on both the front and the back, so their feet are perfect for holding on to slimy, slippery fish.
2: That's pretty slick.
0: Yeah. Ospreys can just grab fish that are near the surface with their talons, or they can and do dive for fish. An osprey can dive up to three feet down, feet first, to grab a fish. Wow. And they have two adaptations to help them do this. One is closable nostrils. Other hawks don't have that.
2: Wow, that is neat.
0: Yeah, you dive in the water, you don't want water up your nose, and so no, that's, the ospreys... That's, you've,
2: had, you've had water up your nose. That is not a good feeling.
0: It's not. They are also the only hawk that has dense, oily plumage. So when the osprey comes up out of the water, hopefully with a fish, all they need to do is give a quick shake, and there's no danger of the fe- the feathers getting waterlogged. Uh, they can keep on going. Ospreys were one of the birds that were nearly wiped out in North America because of DDT, which was an ex- insecticide used on crops. In 1972, DDT was banned in the United States, which helped, and then there were widespread conservation efforts to bring the osprey population back. Today, their conservation status here in North America is least concerned with no sign of decline, which is great, gay humans. They still do uh, conservation efforts with ospreys just to keep an eye on them, to keep them breeding, to keep them, keep them going. We have loads of them here in Florida, and it's rare to see them flying around without a fish. We have a lot of little uh, lakes and man-made ponds and things like that around here. So if you see an osprey, Chances are they're they're either eating a fish or they're flying around with a fish. Right. Yeah, they're a really cool bird.
2: That is neat. I yeah. like ospreys.
0: They're beautiful, beautiful birds. I never birds. knew they could
2: close their nostrils. Yeah. They're really neat. Yep. That's cool. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Disclaimer time.
3: The Varmint's Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway.
0: So we've talked about birds of prey before. We've talked about eagles. We've talked about owls. What else have we talked about? Birds of prey. Have we done anything else other than that? Eagles and owls are the only thing that's coming to mind right away.
2: We haven't done a lot of boids of prey.
0: Not really, and they're all big (laughs) dum-dums.
2: Except for these
0: guys. (laughs) Except for these guys. They seem to be pretty smart. Yeah. Back in 2005, there was a doctor, Dr. Louis Lefebvre, and he invented the world's only comprehensive avian IQ index. Right. And he kind of just ranked the birds in order of intelligence. And the hawk... The hawks were not near the bottom.
2: Well, that makes sense to me. They do seem like they're pretty smart.
0: Yep. So, says the crow and falcon families were at the top of the class, followed by hawks, woodpeckers, and herons. So not uh, raven or crow IQ, but not, not dumb either.
2: Yeah. We're not dumb.
0: <laughs> well, we are going to talk about hawks and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this.
2: Okay.
3: Everybody has a story, and not all of those stories are clear black and white issues, even when we think they are. We wonder how did this happen, or what is that like, or what happens next?
1: Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss, at IWB Podcast.
0: Well, this here's Animal Rancher and Expert-at-Large Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about it where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. Well, my pop culture pick for this week is Hawkeye from Marvel Comics Universe. As you heard in the beginning...
2: He's super too, you guys. Yeah, he is.
0: <laughs> Poor guy. So, <laughs> guys, th- I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Love that. <laughs> we'll put we'll put that in the show notes. You can watch that whole and listen to that whole song. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> and the and the actor who plays him, uh, Jeremy Renner, great sense of humor about Hawkeye. Like he did skits in um, Saturday Night Live. Right. He did a, he did a skit in Saturday Night Live, and he just he's totally. You know, he has a great sense of humor and he's self-deprecating about it. And it's it's wonderful.
2: Yes. Well, I gotta say, Haw- Hawkeye is super deadly in the last movie. So, yeah, I wouldn't yes. be laughing if I were you. <laughs> that might be, not be a good idea. He's in a bad mood in that movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, a quick bio of Hawkeye. His name is Clint Barton. He's from Iowa. After his parents were killed in a car accident, he ran away to join a circus where he became a master archer called Hawkeye. He was inspired to become a superhero after seeing Iron Man in action, but on his first venture out, he was accused of theft. While on the run, he crossed paths with a spy called Black Widow. Mm. They join forces to steal some tech from Iron Man, and the two of them are villains for a short time. That is the comic book version of Hawkeye.
2: And Hawkeye wears a really dumb hat in the comic
0: book. <laughs> he does. It's a big, pointy hat-looking thing. Yeah. The comic book version of Hawkeye is really, really cool, but the movie version of Hawkeye portrayed by Jeremy Renner made him seem like a minor character, which...
2: He is not. He's not. Yes.
0: But when you have a movie franchise that goes on for 10 years and there's 58 superheroes and 28 sidekicks and and all kinds of other characters, I didn't do the math. I don't know how many there are, but there's a lot. So one of them was going to get a little bit short shrift, and that was, I think that was Hawkeye. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So here's a few things about the comic book Hawkeye that you didn't know if you only knew the movie Hawkeye.
2: And ignore the stupid hat.
0: And ignore the stupid hat. <laughs> <laughs> so in the, mo- in the comics, he's not a minor character at all. He's been a nearly constant presence on the team, the Avengers, since 1965. And as such, he is a very, very strong leader. He is shown trying to one-up captain america he mouths off at captain america a little bit and Mm -hmm. uh, he's very prominent yeah in the comics hawkeye had a sky cycle and i don't even know that he used a regular motorcycle in the movies
2: yeah i I think he i think he did but i can't i can't remember it being a focus so yeah he definitely didn't have a sky cycle
0: uh, as we mentioned, his history with Black Widow as a villain was not referenced in the movies, but he was a villain for a short time.
2: Oh, evil. <laughs> evil Hawkeye with that stupid hat.
0: <laughs> in the comics, Hawkeye with his stupid hat lives Yeah, That's in why
2: he turned good, because they couldn't take him seriously <laughs> with that stupid hat. <laughs> they were like, you can't be a bad guy, not no, with that hat.
0: Take that ridiculous hat off.
2: You can be a good guy with that hat Yeah, because, come on.
0: <laughs> in the mm-hmm. comics, Hawkeye lives in New York City. And yes. he, he flies around on his sky cycle watching over his neighborhood. The cinematic Hawkeye lives on a farm in the middle of nowhere with his family. Yep. Yeah. So that's a huge change from the comics where he has had relationships with several Avengers, like, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, the Scarlet Witch mm-hmm. and Black Widow.
2: He's a man about town. With he a is in the stupid comics. hat. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I can't okay. get over that. <laughs> it,
0: it really is a dumb hat. <laughs> and you know what? If they had made him wear that hat in the movies, nobody would have taken him seriously, even no. less than they do now.
2: No, they've got to he had to be restyled. That was never <laughs> never going to make it. Ugh.
0: So, basically, Marvel Comics Universe, the movie version of Hawkeye, is what happens when you take a pretty cool comic book superhero with a bad hat <laughs> and dilute, <laughs> him, dilute him down so much that he really doesn't have his moment in the movies just almost the way every other superhero had, right? Right. He just becomes a guy shooting arrows at stuff, and sometimes he makes a snarky little comment about it, but he's sort of a minor superhero in the movies compared to the comics where he is awesome.
2: I still like Hawkeye in the movies, though. Do you? Yeah, he's great. I mean, there's not enough of him, but what he does is perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with what he does.
0: He doesn't have his big moment, though. He doesn't. There's no. He
2: He needs a big moment, but what he does do is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it.
0: His support. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But as you said, there are 20 million characters in there, so
0: there's so many that they weren't going
2: to be able to focus on everybody for sure. Exactly, But he made a perfectly good Hawkeye, I think. And I think he carried the snarkiness of the comic book guy into the film, don't you think?
0: I think so, a little bit. When, I think,
2: when allowed to?
0: If there's any Hawkeye moment that is my favorite from the movies, it is when he shoots an arrow at Loki. Loki catches the arrow. It's got an explosive tip on it. Yeah. And that blows Loki into the Avengers Tower, where he confronts the Hulk, and then the Hulk right. just ragdolls him. Like, I yeah. love that part of that. Avengers movie. (laughs) Hawkeye's amazing. Cool superhero. Dumb hat.
2: (laughs) Very cool superhero. Very stupid hat. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I am going to talk today about this guy, Henry Hawk. Hey, Pop. I don't
1: know what's the matter with me. The trouble's in my tummy. I crave something, and I don't know what it is. Well, Henry, you're uh, a big boy now. You'd better have a little talk. Okay, Pop. What do you want to know? You see, Henry, your mother and I are outcasts. Hated and hunted because of what we are. Chicken hawks. And you, you, Henry, you're a chicken hawk, too. And like all chicken hawks, you crave to eat a chicken hawk.
2: so henry hawk which is spelled h-e-n-e-r-y the old-fashioned spelling of Henry. henry henry hawk yeah he is a cartoon character from the american looney Tunes series and he appeared in 13 cartoons he is a tiny brown chicken hawk with a forelock of feathers. Now, what is a chicken hawk? I can hear you asking. This is the unofficial designation for three species of North American hawks in the family Accipitridae. Accipitridae. Did we figure out how to pronounce that? Oh no. Accipitridae. Accipitridae. There you go. So these species in this are Cooper's hawk, also called a Quail's hawk, and I talked about them earlier. The Sharp-shinned hawk and the Red-tailed hawk. The term chicken hawk, however, is inaccurate. Coopers and sharp-shinned hawks do primarily hunt other birds, but chickens do not make up a significant portion of their diet. red tail hawks may opportunistically feed on free-range poultry, but they are chiefly predators of mammals, as you were talking about before, little rodents and stuff. Historically, the misinterpretation of the name chicken hawk has labeled these birds as pests, hence justifying their slaughter. Uh, officially the American Ornithologist Union list of bird names, the term has become obsolete as applied to birds, but still enjoys widespread colloquial use in rural areas where any of these three species has been seen as a threat to small outdoor animals, or which are kept as pets or livestock, especially chickens. The term chicken hawk is too ambiguous to be of any use to academics um, because the meaning of the hawk differs between even America and Europe, so we don't really use it anymore. But in popular culture, this Henry hawk was based on this this idea of the chicken hawk. So they don't actually eat chickens and that's important to know, but it doesn't reduce the hilarity of Henry in the cartoons, so. He is a very small, tiny little chicken hawk. His father is several times taller than him. And he, Henry doesn't, the joke about Henry is that he doesn't know what a chicken looks like. <laughs> 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 uh, so his voice was done by Mel Blank and Joe Alasky, And it's a lot like Tweety Bird, minus the speech impediment. His personality is blustery and loudmouth. And it makes him a little bit of an odd foil for Foghorn Leghorn. He, in a typical Henry cartoon, he struck out on his own for the first time to capture and hopefully eat a chicken. But he leads a sheltered life before then so he doesn't know what a chicken looks like. And only chicken hawks eat them. (laughs) Or (laughs) he only knows that chicken hawks eat them. So a lot of the cartoons are just about Foghorn Leghorn trying to convince him that the dog is the chicken, or something like that. And, and <laughs> hilarity ensues, and it's just a very silly, silly little guy, so, yeah. Henry Hawk. I'm a chicken hawk.
0: Yeah, and he, he's frequently the target of of uh, Foghorn Leghorn's sort of uh, condescension. Right. Yeah. Like right. Or oh, you don't know what you're talking about kind of comments.
2: Well, and it's uh, many cartoons end with Henry capturing one or both of his tormentors, him and the dog, (laughs) and (laughs) pragmatically shrugging his shoulders over whether his prey may or may not be an actual fowl. So (laughs) he just decides that one of them has to be the real chicken, and therefore he just knocks them both out. (laughs) He's like, this is fine, I'll just eat one of them. (laughs) Pretty good. That's terrific. I'm a chicken hawk. I love that guy. (laughs) My sister and I used to always... Run around going, I'm a chicken hawk, and we are a chicken. (laughs) Yeah, very fun.
3: What's the matter with you? Aren't you hungry? (laughs) Aren't you going to eat that? Come on, eat.
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't think so.
2: Why would I eat a chicken hawk when I can just eat a chicken?
0: When you just eat a chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they're kind of big birds, they're not like... Chicken-sized, either. Like, after you get rid of all the feathers and stuff, they're not—they're not that big. And like, game Cornish hens, those mm-hmm. little little mini chickens. I hate those things.
2: Aren't those just really small juvenile chickens? I don't know. Are they? I think so. We should ask Clay Groves.
0: We should. I don't like them either way. <laughs> I don't know. Just eat chicken or turkey. <laughs> that's, that's what I say. Chick,
2: chick. Yeah. Turkey or duck. No, or duck, duck a place is good. where they have duck available yeah. yeah yeah i don't know so yeah chicken i don't know i think to go out of your way to catch a bird that's that fast and that clever and everything and probably pretty skinny when it comes right down to it
0: uh, yeah like like not
2: a lot of meat on it yeah is there, so
0: tough and gamey
2: yeah yeah Meh. let's just eat chicken get eat chicken and share it with your friend the hawk
0: there you go yay there you go <laughs> <laughs> well hello Paula Donna. I've been meaning to ask you, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Well let's help you win that next trivia night, or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With the animal fact of the week. Back to you, amigos. <laughs>
2: Right now, for our additional fact, we're going to play a little interview that I did with my friend Amber, who has worked with the Bird Conservancy of the Rockies. They do hawk migration counts and bald eagle watch. She's part of the education arm of the organization not the citizen science arm but she can probably talk about all of these things and today she's going to talk to me a little bit about some of her experiences and how you can get involved and also about the swanson's hawk so let's listen to that yay hey okay critter crew var minions I've, i've got a very special guest to talk with us today, an old personal friend of mine who has been working in raptor conservation for a long, 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 long time. Please welcome my friend Amber to the show. Hi, welcome to Varmints. Thank you for coming on. Hi, thanks for asking me. I'm so excited. (laughs) We are too. So, Amber, how long have you been doing raptor education and what made you interested in starting to do that?
3: So, I have been with the Bird Conservancy of the Rockies for almost 10 years. Um, I actually work in the education side of things, which is a lot of fun. I get to work with kids from toddler age to college age on the myriad of bird-like topics, but raptors are definitely one of my favorites.
2: Cool. So when did you, what what did, what made you interested in like going to actually do it? Did you see a presentation one day and think, oh, I want to do that?
3: So... My son actually started full-time school, and it took me about two weeks to go, Um, I need to do something interesting. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was an environmental studies major in college, so I did have some background. But really, I went on to a volunteer site and just looked for everything. And it was like the Denver Zoo or the aquarium or the Bird Conservancy and What they do just sounded so interesting because they actually do the bird banding in a couple of locations um, on the front range, and that just sounded really interesting to me. So that was definitely my hook.
2: (laughs) Awesome. So what do you do for them exactly?
3: So we actually work in stewardship with local landowners, um, in citizen science, and also in education. And I am definitely on the education side of things because
2: I really like working with kids. So are you the one who shows up to the classroom with like a giant bird on your arm? No. So we are a conservation
3: group uh, as opposed to a rehabilitation group. And okay. I love that those groups are out there. I have a really good friend who works for a rehab that would be happy to talk to you guys, too, if you wanted. i sure. We are all about connecting people, birds, and land in a way that hopefully gets everyone we interact with to want to preserve those important places and resources that keep birds alive in their natural habitats.
2: Oh, wonderful. So do you have a favorite bird species favorite raptor
3: well i was kind of hoping i could talk about even just as i started into volunteering because the connection i have to my favorite hawk actually is is absolutely about one of my very first experiences out starting as a volunteer
2: well tell us all about it cuz we want to hear um
3: so i had just started volunteering and they do a really neat volunteer training program through this organization where you get just a ton of fun kind of background experience and knowledge and also kind of get a chance to see all the different ways that the organization as a whole works for bird conservation across countries and states and borders and everything. It's really neat. Um, And I was actually on a little brief break we were taking where we went outside to just sort of commune with nature and I walked around the corner of the old stone house, which is a really neat place out at Bar Lake State Park. Um, that's been around since the 1800s. Oh, and, I
2: think I know where that is, actually. Yeah, yeah,
3: it's really cool. It's and the organization actually we we keep the house up as close to its you know original state as possible, except that of course we use it as offices and and an education space. Right. So I walked around the corner of the house, and I was. Face to face with four great horned owls that were just oh, wow. stunning and staring straight at me right off the porch, not even 10 feet from the edge of the porch when I was looking out. <laughs> and I was totally mesmerized. And I found out that they had nested about 100 yards away in some Plains cottonwoods. And these were the parents and a couple of fledglings for that season. This Aww. was in, yeah, so this was early in the spring, 10 years ago when I started. And the connection is funny because actually owls do not build their own nests. They have to borrow them from other birds. So the funny thing was I found out that the nest that this exact family of birds was using was actually built by the male of my favorite species of hawk now, which Uh is the Swainson's hawks. Oh, cool. (laughs) So the Swainson's hawks came back just as the owls had fledged for the year and didn't need the nest anymore. And they tidied it up. The male in particular really likes to be in charge of making the nest as well engineered as possible. And the Swainsons came right back and they used it for the summer.
2: Oh, that is so cool. That's really cool. What are Swainsons hawks? How big are they and stuff? What do they look like?
3: So they are actually the largest of our migrating hawks here in Colorado. Um, They can have wingspans up to six feet. They are decidedly larger even than red-tailed hawks, although in a similar size range. Um, And they're very distinctive because what they're known for is they are the longest migrant of any hawk that we have that stops over here in North America. They go all the way from, you know, the most northern parts of Canada and then down in the winter to the pampas of Argentina, which makes their migration almost 5,000 miles.
2: Holy cannoli. That's amazing a really long way yeah and actually when it comes to
3: identifying them knowing about that migration makes a lot of sense because they're specifically well known for their dark feathers all along the bottom of their wings all of their really important flight and structural feathers are very dark in color and it turns out that darker pigment in feathers actually adds to their structural strength and so oh, those I
2: didn't know that. Yeah. That?
3: So similar to a pelican and some other birds that migrate like that, those darker feathers are just known to be structurally stronger. Hmm. I know they've done research and things like that in the world of bird of ornithology to figure sure. out how that works exactly. But yeah, they have they have very distinctive white armpits. And then very dark structural feathers all along the outer wingtips and flight feathers going all the way to their bodies. And then they have this adorable dark bib that basically sits right on their chest. And so when you think about a red-tailed hawk, you're looking for the tail, but then you actually look for their shoulders have kind of a comma of dark feathers and then a little dash and then their head and then another dash and a little comma. So when you look up at them and see them in flight, they're mostly pretty light underwing colored Um, These guys are exactly the opposite. They have a completely Ah. clear, white um, shoulder out into their wingtips, and then it's dark, dark feathers all the way to their bodies of all those flight feathers, and then their funny little bib. So it's really interesting because they actually are able to migrate and to thrive in so many different places that they pick Colorado. And the interesting thing about that to me is that it's actually about one of their very favorite food resources, which is actually grasshoppers and locusts. Really? Really? And they're nicknamed the grasshopper hawk. So it's sort of funny that the largest hawk we have here actually likes probably arguably the smallest source of food. They eat
2: the smallest food. That's crazy. Indeed. I thought that they would have wanted prairie dogs or something like that because,
3: you know. And they do. They eat all the same things that most hawks do. They just have a strong love and preference for insects when they can get them in the peak of the insect season.
2: That is awesome. Nom, 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 nom. It's probably like popcorn. Little bird popcorn hopping around in the field. <laughs> popcorn.
3: <laughs> and then one more hilarious but true fact. Their most common call sounds exactly like a dog squeaky toy let out slowly. Really?
2: Oh my god! And you don't have
3: to take my word for it. Definitely go listen on YouTube. It is hysterical. We will
2: <laughs> put that in the show as well. I'll put that right at the end so you can listen to them. The grasshopper hawk with their squeaky call.
3: <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's they're awesome. such regal-looking birds, and they have the silliest bird call. It's hilarious. That's like
2: eagles, too. We did talk about on the show uh-huh. how <laughs> eagles have a silly sound, and that's why on TV they always use red tail hawk vocalization exactly. for <laughs> eagles whenever they're on a movie or a TV. So, sort of funny. Absolutely. Silly. <laughs> silly old hawks. Anyway. How can people get involved in raptor preservation if that's something they really like?
3: So I gave you guys that website to share, the Bird Conservancy of the
2: Rockies. Right. We will put a link to that in our show notes for sure.
3: And actually, as you go there, the website's set up really nicely to let you know different ways to volunteer and get involved. In particular, for hawks, we do something called Hawk Watch where you get to go hang out on Dinosaur Ridge one day a week and learn all about how to count hawks as they come kettling through at migration time of year. And literally, as the people get good at this, you'll see them sitting there, and they have one of those little metal population count clickers. They'll have like four of those on their hands.
2: Oh and they just sit there and count hawks.
3: Yeah, and they actually know which which clickers for which different kinds cuz they get to where they can identify them so well that they're picking out like Swainson's versus ferruginous versus redtails or then they and I think then they do other on the fourth clicker and so they can literally even as they come cuddling through in the hundreds, and they do, they'll catch the right thermal, and they'll they'll come through in the hundreds at a time, and they can sit there looking at them and just know and click which one is the right clicker for the different populations as they're coming in.
2: That's really cool. Our listeners are all over the United States and Europe and Africa and Australia, so I would assume that if they want to do something like that, they should just probably Google it. But I, do you think that if somebody wanted to do something and they couldn't really find anything in their local area that they might contact Bird Conservancy for maybe a clue of who to call. Yeah, so we're definitely in 13
3: different states, and we do some work in Canada and Mexico as well. And then, of course, we have affiliates and connections through the science wing of what we do with lots of other countries, because so many of the birds, of course, don't stay here all year. They migrate somewhere else. So actually, Bird Conservancy is a great resource even to figure out what's available to you locally. In Europe, for sure, you'd be looking for something more local that wouldn't be us, but were pretty helpful anywhere you want to look at the full range of migration of birds of North America and more.
2: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Amber. We really appreciate it. And we really thank you. I know the Varminions are going to be completely stoked to hear this piece. And we'll put a link about the Swainson's Hawk on there as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show. You bet.
0: All right. That was really cool. Thanks, Donna.
2: Yeah, thank you, Amber.
0: That was excellent. Thank you, Amber. Yes. Thank you everybody for listening. This podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, Bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the wonderful and talented Imran Javed. And our vocal talent today was by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Jennifer Chomo, Stacy and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago.
2: It's time for the Rugrat Corner, everybody. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger and want to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcasts at gmail.com for details. We make it easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on our podcast. What kind of Rugrat are we going to hear from today?
0: We have Nano, the return of Nano today.
2: Oh, Nano.
0: He, uh, Hello, Nano. Hey, Nano. He is great. He. This is a little bit of a longer Rugrat Corner clip, but every second of it is worth it he does his own little show he provides his own little uh, sound effects and he has a commercial break and it's just the best thing ever so here's nano and he has something to say about hawks
2: can't wait
1: what's your name Nano. okay can you tell me anything about hawks you know they know me already. <laughs> know, <you> know. <laughs> Hi. Okay, yes. now can you tell me anything about hawks? Hawks have very, wait, very, very sharp claws. Sharp claws. And they have very, very, very very good beaks. 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 <laughs> 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 I just did that echo because I really wanted to. That's fine. Can you tell me anything <laughs> else about hawks? Um, their eyes are very, very, very good for spawning fish. Yeah, okay. What else do they eat? They eat... Webbits, Rabbits. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> now what's in <my> our sponsor? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me anything else about hawks? <laughs> uh the life in Northwood. We have hawks in Northwood Rock, you're right. We have Hawks and No Flitterwalk. Donna and Paul. Yeah. Okay. Donna and Paul. Yeah. Okay. You know Tell us about it. Because my name is Nana. Remember me. Yep, I do. Okay. Say this is Vomit's
0: Go Podcast.
1: This is the Vomit's Podcast.
0: And take a bye. Yay.
1: Bye. Bye, Nano.
0: Bye, Nano. <laughs> Oh, Nano is like, he he feels like we forgot about him. Nano.
2: No, we couldn't forget about you. We it's not possible. No. It's not possible.
0: You're a Hall of Fame rug rat, Nano, and we, we, there's no way we could forget about you. You're awesome.
2: Yeah, there's no possible way. No possible way we could forget.
0: Nope. And we, we appreciated your <sighs> echo sound effects.
2: That was probably 12 or 14 different kinds of cool. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, the sound effects, the little commercial break.
2: But oh, we liked the sponsor, the word from the yeah. <laughs> sponsor, which I didn't actually understand what the word was, but it was really cool. <laughs> 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 uh, well, that was the best. Thank you, Nano. Thank you, that you Nano. Was amazing. And
0: thank you to his mom, Nikki, who yes. is also a Patreon supporter. So thank you, thank you, thank you twice, indeed. Nikki. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody again for listening, and until next time.
2: Be nice to animals.
0: You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Blazing Caribou Studios.
2: That is a podcast. That is a podcast around the world. <laughs>